Our God has lifted our shame at great cost to himself. And he's not ashamed of his love for us. And neither should we be. And that's why we praise him. With our tears in our hands, we celebrate his love. We celebrate his love. Hear God's word, which was given for you. His love poured out for you. Romans chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to their dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but get approval to those who practice them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just a reminder for those who heard me say this last week, but um, I am going to be leaving right after worship service today, headed down to Charleston to my home church, Mount Zion AME Church. And they're, they're having a Black History Month program, and they've asked me to preach for that. And so I'm going down to do that today at a 5 o'clock program. Y'all are free to come if y'all want to. You know, old school, we'd have the bus out there, the choir be coming, deacons, the elders, everybody be rolling up. You know, I was asking Amari if he coming today. He ain't coming, but, you know, he got some things. He doing the ministry here. That's fine. We not the old school church, but, you know, I'm supposed to show up with all my ministers and all and got to make more room on the pulpit. It's old school, y'all. It's old school. I might, I'm going to have a suit and a tie on even, you know. 
I'm not quite going all the way to the road, but you know, anyway. Um, as, um, you know, part of the pitfalls of this job, um, being a pastor, and Pastor Amari knows this, uh, Pastor Tom knows it, is you always forget when you start naming names, you better name everybody. Um, so Larry Canty, where you at, Larry? See, when I forget, you get your own special thing. Larry here today? He just left to work with the children's church? Okay, see, Larry working. Um, but Larry Canty gave a testimony, y'all. And a teaching behind the testimony, um, for those of you, I mean, it's, it's public and some of their testimony is public. And so I, I, if you get a chance to just sit down with the Cantys, Larry and Pam Canty, and talk about how God overcame the devastation of adultery in their marriage. And he helped us men see the steps toward that and how that happened and how God delivered him from it. And so if you find yourself in that situation, um, God actually has grace for you. It is not the end of all things. Amen. And so that was really a good testimony. So um, thank you, Larry. And thank you, Pam, <laughs> as well, his wife. Um, so we're going to continue in our sermon series through the mission of Christ Central Church, um, which is freeing people to enjoy God. And we talked about enjoying God. We did three sermons on that already. Um, hearing his truth, which we're going to begin to do and do three sermons on that part. Um, grow in diverse relationship, and we'll do a few sermons on that, and then finally face the, engage, see I changed it, engage the world with the renewed dignity that comes from Christ, and we'll do three sermons on that, and they'll be broken up, I'm going to be out of town a couple of times, and so like it may be two, and two, y'all get it, um, but we're going to get through this, um, and so this is the first sermon on hearing God's truth. Hang with me, we're going to do a little teachy kind of thing, a little Greek Study, all right? Y'all going to do it together with me, right? The Bible defines truth as being both objective and subjective. Objectively, as in true in any matter under consideration, right? Empirical truth. Or what is true in things appertaining to God and the duties of humankind truth as taught in the Christian religion, respecting God in the execution of his purposes through Christ, and respecting the duties of man, objective truths about this world, and then about God and our relationship with God. There are objective truths. And then subjectively, as in truth, as a personal excellence, Excuse these words that we don't use on a regular basis, but, but personal excellence meaning the candor of mind, right, which is free from affection and pretense and, and simulation and falsehood and deceitfulness. In other words, truth is being authentic, right, being the real deal. And as fancy as that translation of the Greek word for truth, aletheia, might sound, you and I can relax a little. Because you got this, the Bible teaches. The Bible's teaching that you and I actually see truth. That you know it somehow. That you experience it. That you live in it. That, and, and buy it, right? But in the well-known words of Jack Nicholas's character and a few good men, right? Human beings have proven time and time again that we can't handle the truth. 
that we mishandle the truth that God has given and revealed to every single one of us. In fact, this passage we just read tells us and teaches us that, that we have the truth, that we have God's truth, as our song says, all around us and in us and before us. But we take that truth, the truth that is really there, and we squash it, right? In verse 18, it says we suppress it. You know what suppress means here? We detain it. We chain it up. We, we, we put it on a leash. We control it. So that means we take truth, God's truth, God's given to us, hear me, reasonable, logical, subjective, creative, objective, and felt truths, and we misuse it, and we mistake it, and we abuse it. We won't let God's truth have its way in our lives and world. Instead, we take it and use it in untrue ways. And ways truth was not intended to be used. It is the mission of Christ Central Church that you and I would be freed to hear God's truth. Which means that we would let God's truth be God's truth in the way he wants and intended it to be. Truth that helps us live life. Can't think of anything else. Truly. <laughs> Which means three things I want us to see. Three, not two. Okay. Brother man from the fifth floor, right? Okay, which means three, three things I want us to see from this passage today. That the gospel, spoken about in verse 16 there, which is the message and ministry of God's help, God's power for us in Jesus Christ, that, that the gospel, right, God's truth in Christ, that that must free us to truly, number one, experience the world. Secondly, that the gospel must free us to truly be human. And finally, free us to truly know God. Truly experience the world, truly be human, and truly know God. From everything I've read, and I believe you can read in this Bible, you know what the Bible says about earth and the creation? That earth is prime divine real estate, right? And you and I were created by God to live here. That this place is both breath-giving, life-giving, and how it is, its natural resources and atmosphere interact with our bodies to, to keep us alive. And at the same time, its beauty and wonder and specs and optics are breathtaking. I mean, the amount of empirical and creative data and material all involved is amazing. And how all these things come together with us as human beings in perfect balance so we can live and enjoy living here and flourish as species here is ridiculous, right? Again, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I've been watching that Planet Earth part two or three. I don't know which one it is. You know, I, I'm good. As part of your Christian discipleship, watch that show, all right? Like, if, if you don't want to read the Bible, read like Psalm 8 or something like that, Psalm 19. Those are a couple you could read. And then after you read that, watch the planet Earth, right? And then after you watch that, read Psalm 8 and Psalm 19 again, all right? Then worship. Just watch the show. 
that kind of show. And, and the micro and macro things that go on, on, a, and on in a day all around and in a, in a second, in a microsecond, in all, in all these places far away and up close is insane. It'll blow your mind. And all of that is not only because of God's truth that was designed and engineered and built with his words and creation, but the still present living God, hear me, holds all of that, the Bible teaches. He's actually holding it with his presence and power in constant movement and vitality, holding it together. And Here's another mind-blowing thing about what God has made. Those things talk back no this ain't a cartoon the animal's not going to talk to you in English if they do go get some help right but they talk back they speak something back scripture says that in the Psalms and it says that here as a matter of fact they display and say things about God the God that created them they represent their maker in just being what they are and how they are in fact look at verse 19 and 20 with me now a lot of this is in the negative like talking about some negative things but let's see what it says in verse 19 for what can be known about God is plain to men and women because God has shown it to them. Look at verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. The Bible is teaching about truth. That we are connected to nature in a peculiar way as human beings. I'm saying that because I want us to own this again, all right? Because all of that new age kind of we are nature stuff has shoplifted all of this from the God, what God did at creation, all right? You know, sometimes I'll, you know, read and watch some documentaries on Eastern, Eastern mysticism and, and, you know, that next level yoga kind of stuff and the, the great spirit and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, that sounds very familiar, right? Because people have taken what is true about nature in the attributes in its glory and made something that isn't something out of it. But God designed us. Humans, uh, to have an interactive, in, indelible, right, experience with nature, with, with creation, and, create, and the created, created order and way of things, so that we can hear it in and through our senses, somewhere down in our minds and souls, that we can hear truths about God, a divine sense, right, put in human beings from the divine God. I, I don't know how to describe it. A rhythm, a, a chord that, that resonates within in us that says, listen up, look up, that this stuff y'all are eating and tasting and, and seeing and writing and taking pictures of and swimming in and touching and petting is fantastic, but it is but a commercial. 
It is an advertisement. It's the cheerleader. It's the band, right? Calling you to look beyond and above all of this. There, and it says there is an intelligent and creative and beautiful source and being behind all of what you experience and why you are experiencing it. And he is God and he has some real truth you need to hear. And each one of us experiences this. The Bible's teaching, right? We are ex without excuse because any and every human being that has lived on this earth sensibly has had some sort of reasonable interaction with this created world and themselves that they must respond to and now be responsible for how they respond to it. We are responsible for how we treat and handle our experience with the empirical and material world. Watching an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, sh oh, I shouldn't have said that. Too late. All right, too late. And so the main character, it's a real comedy, and Larry David takes some pain pills. Um, he always messes something up. And he falls asleep during a production of Hamilton. I heard that. That's awful. I knew y'all were going to say it. He not only did it at the LA showing, right? He did it at the New York showing. And the whole episode of Curb Enthusiasm was not about, not, it was not, it was about not falling out of good graces with the writer and director of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda, by letting him find out he fell asleep during Hamilton. And he did. And all of y'all who want to see Hamilton real bad are like, how dare he? There is no excuse, the Bible is saying, for y'all to sleepwalk through this world and what it is saying. We are living all up in the middle of the greatest production you and I could ever know. And we are actually on stage and interacting with the living props, all from the mind and heart of God himself. That's why it says here we are without excuse. What should we do with this world filled and overflowing with God's truth to us, to us about him and ourselves and it itself? Look at verse 21 and 23. For although they knew God, verse 23, 21 says, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And then jump down to verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Right? So our experience of this world is just how God created it. It's supposed to free us. It was designed to help us. It was designed to lead us to know God. To see him to experiencing him in ourselves, his truth. I remember one, one time, and this is back to a little Broadway thing, when we saw Lion King, y'all, I know, who wrote that circle left? That's Elton John? Okay. I, I'm guessing Elton John wasn't thinking about Romans 1 or Jesus, but I'm just guessing now. But boy, when them animals came in down the aisle and all, I'm crying. I'm like, and I'm almost saying, thank you, Lord. You are amazing. You something else, something about your 
truths and the way them animals are moving. And what's really awesome, and we'll get here in a minute, those weren't real animals, right? Those are human beings moving like animals, and that was amazing. How do people's voices do that? How do their bodies move and all? Who came up with this idea? Even Elton John, how did he come up with those notes? My goodness, Lord, like, it began to cry, but thank you, Lord, right? I'm almost lost. I'm not even thinking about the production, right? I'm thinking about what God has produced as I look at the production. But the Bible says, and in all good news, right, going back to verses we first looked at, we suppress the natural truth that we experience in this world, we actually steal it away from its origin, God. That we disconnect it from its source and its purpose and do what, as verse 23 describes? It says here, we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So what we do is we take nature and its truth and we make it an end unto itself. We make the, it's it's so easy because it's so beautiful, but we make it the main thing. We make the created thing the final truth, the end goal, the end purpose. And by extension, this means we misuse and then will abuse the material world. And, And some of you have been wondering the root problem behind the issues we see on those, oh, I'm addicted to documentaries. If y'all got some new ones, let me know. I'll watch it. Like on those Netflix documentaries, like on food and money and resource management, always some, something going on behind the scenes. And I even like, like Amari likes those too, those Alfred Hitchcock-y, I'm sorry if y'all don't know who Alfred Hitchcock is, these Alfred Hitchcock-esque sci-fi anthologies like Black Mirror on Netflix or Electric Dreams on Amazon, where technology and trying to get truth and dignity and hope from the material world itself without an acknowledgement of the creator, God makes us invent and consume and become enslaved and controlled by created things. What? Think about it. When the end goal is to control the resources, which, okay, re- understand, nature and resources are a physical manifestation of God's truth. All right? It's material is God's truth. That's why we can say all truth is God's truth. Trigonometry is God's truth, right? Economic formulas that are right are God's truth. But we try to control all of that in our human way. Resources, land, and real estate, and garlic, and milk. Yeah, they had a little show on garlic. That thing kind of amazing. I didn't know. Can I get some extra garlic? Now I think about it. (laughs) Kind of want to just enjoy it, but now I can't because I'm thinking, where did this come from? Who suffered to give me that garlic? But all that kind of stuff, it results in untruthful ways. Abuse and scandal, the lies and stealing and cover-ups and genetically modified, right, in bad ways and and like new economic formulas, right, that don't even add up in the end, right? And food and and, and when they do food and the overfishing and underharvesting and poverty and we subsequently live in a world where there is plenty of food, plenty of land, but ironically and falsely hungry people with no place to live all around. 
how can we have that much truly and it still not truly work out? You know why we can't be true about God and what he has given us? Why we have extinct species and snow caps melting and polar bears drowning and all that stuff? At the bottom of it is not aerosols and styrofoam and balloons and smog. but the bondage of the human soul and mind and heart that refuses to experience and know God in thus caring for and managing this world rightly. We destroy everything we worship. We destroy everything we decide to worship. This world, its beauty and glory fall apart when we fail and refuse to see the Lord beyond and behind all of the nature around us. It falls apart when we stop with it as, the past, as this passage is teaching and sort of worship it again and hope that it gives us truth in its natural essence, even getting all zen and, and pantheistic and, and new age cultic about it and even addicted by its natural properties. We are short selling and misusing and abusing our world because its full message is truncated and devalued if it doesn't come from and lead us back to the creator God and his truth. Some of that um, meditation music, you know, you can get on iTunes, you know, with the waterfalls, you know, the water going in the wooden pitcher. I'm just imagining, I'm not seeing it, and you hear it pour into something, you know? Right now, y'all, that is my go-to prayer music. Okay, I used to be gospel music, but I'm listening to the music and I'm thinking about the songs and thinking of how we can use it in church and how the church is going to grow if our bed. Ah! But just a. Right? Y'all know. That's some good prayer and worship music or sounds. Sometimes, you know, the, the quiet, y'all ever hear the quiet Batman return soundtrack? Just makes noise. Kelly's like, that's not music, that's just noise. I'm like, it's doing something, right? God calls, but nature is used. Like, if, if we approach things in God's truth truly, holy experience, we can get and not get lost in, in the wrong ways. Because I ain't doing no Zen Buddhism uh, meditation, even though that's what the title says to do by it, right? I'm just, that just does something to me. And I praise God. It is our mission, as it's the Bibles, that by the gospel, we would be free to experience this world and all of nature and all that is material in a way that will increase how truly we enjoy this place and the creator God who has given us in this world a living room, y'all. 
It's the living room. Welcome to God's living room when you go out these doors, right? Like, come on. Like, and you know what a living room is for? Well, your mama said you could, grandmama said you couldn't sit in there, right? If you, <laughs> it's, I thought we'd left all that behind until one day I'm, Kelly was like, Clark, what are you doing in the front room, in the living room with a cup with water and just chilling? Don't sit in there. And I'm sure Clark is thinking, I'm living in the living room, right? Well, God wants us to live in the living room to live and experience truth with him. But the real horror behind all of this inability and bondage to not hear God's truth truly, so we are not truly that is that we are not free to truly be ourselves, to be human. Look where this rejection and suppression of natural, general, basic, instinctual God truth leads to. So we talked about the nature thing. We talked about truths that kind of in our heart, and then we suppress it. We refuse it. We reject it, the Bible says, right? And then look at verse 24, and then we're going to finish the rest of this chapter out like, I'm going to read the whole thing. So just hang in there and kind of let yourself really listen as I read it. Verse 24. Therefore, after rejecting God's natural truths, right, in our sin, therefore God gave them, human beings, up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So where does this kind of truncated worship lead us? Look at this. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameful acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And it goes on. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. A lot is in there. But because this is a um, topical sermon, we're not going to try to unpack everything. But who and why we truly are as human beings, the scriptures teach you, I'm going to just shorten this up for y'all. It falls apart when we become a commodity of sorts. When, as the word suppressed means, when we become our own property and possession, which means our human values and goals and reasons we are here are set by us instead of the Lord who created us. Again, check out Psalm 8 in the Bible sometime. Long story, real short from Psalm 8. You to man, right? You to woman. Humans are the crown of God's creation. Y'all are the luxury class, right? You're the top of God's creation. But this passage is saying that, unfortunately, we have taken the truth of how awesome we are 
How many incredible things we can do and be. Let me tell you, human beings are some incredible creations. How the stuff we can accomplish, our, our dominion that God created us to have, all right, over all of nature and the power of our relationships, y'all. When we get together, we can do some stuff. I hate to say it, we can be dangerous when we hang out together. But the problem is we own those things. We commoditize those things. We package and consume what it means to be people, to be human and make people consumable. And their very humanity is redefined for some market end. And I'm not talking about just market in, in, in the most uh, real sense of the word. I'm talking about marketed in that you're trying to get what only God can get from it, but you're trying to uh, uh, distill it for your human purposes instead of your God design purposes. Same thing we did to nature. Verse 23 says, we make graven images or idols or, or, or we try to get from something created again that only we can get from God. And so we take human beings and we put them on a pedestal, if you will. We take them outside of their God-ordained glory and then we debase ourselves and others so that we can handle it and own it and use it for our own insecurities. This pastor is saying that we take our humanity and what we think about each other and how we treat each other in bad ways. We actually insert ourselves in the place of the creator. And we decide. We have rewritten the directions on what it means to be human. We have rewritten the directions of what it means to be a man or a woman or in love. And when we do that, we see what happens. Look at those final verses. Look at all that stuff in there. Malice and envy and deceit and gossip and slander and murder and all kind of mess. Because we think we can handle our own truth. That's kind of crazy, but you are created. <laughs> Somebody made you. And we take what we think we know about ourselves and then we try to run our own lives. And this is what we get out of it when we cut God out as our truth. Now I know when I read this, some of y'all got a little tense because verse 26 and 27 has been used as a proof text for why homosexuality is wrong, right? And we go around, like some, sometimes you've seen it happen among evangelicals, our own evangelical folk, and they say, see, you, you get your just reward. You, you know, I've heard back in the 90s it was, well, AIDS is God's plague for homosexuals and all kind of stuff. But this text is so much bigger and wider than that. It is so big and so wide there is not anybody in this room that doesn't fall into the same category. <laughs> oh, now Jesus is going to have to get you out. <laughs> not moral, right? Not, not, not uh, uh, the moral majority, right? Jesus is going to have to get you out. You can't say, oh, he's talking about them folk over there that's doing this. No, no. <laughs> That ain't what he's talking about. In fact, look at verse 24 and 25. It says here, 
Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. You know what it's saying? If and when the knowledge of God is not leading us and enlightening us, we objectify each other. What's it saying? Human beings use and misuse and abuse each other. See, we stop at one thing, right, to make ourselves feel better. Let me make you feel real bad, right? This scripture is about everybody. There isn't one person who has not misused somebody else or misused their own bodies or burned in lust towards somebody else, desiring them in an improper way, even if that's desiring them to be put in chains, brought to this country, and used as slaves. That is a misuse and lust for human bodies to do something that has an immoral end, to do what ought not to be done. And yesterday we talked about the, the way men look at and use women. It is a misuse of, uh, of, of our humanity in, in, in sexual assault and abuse. Stuff like redlining and stealing land from natives come to mind. That we take the human body and human beings and human civilization and our lust not only for them, but for power through them and over them. We will do all sorts of things to ourselves and others against and opposed to the truth of what we think mean, what it means for us to finally be human. I was watching some documentary. Guys, it, it all run together in my mind now. And how science was used at one time to prove certain people groups are more criminal than others. Right? To, talking about head size, head shape. Like they had this whole science behind it. On the heels of Darwinism. Like let me show you how people have evolved. People in Europe, their head shaped this way. Their brains are bigger. They should be in charge of society. These folk got to watch them because the way their head shaped, their lips too big, this, that, their nose is wide. That proves scientifically they're going to be criminals. That is a misuse and miscalculation in the same kind of lust and degradation this scripture is talking about. Because you've taken the truth of God. This is we're all created in the image of the of God, and you're using it for yourself and your purposes. Think about just the exploitation that goes on in pornography and our sexuality and all the things that play into that. This passage is saying you can't handle the truth of what and why you are human without being free to hear God's truth and that we are now bound to make the same mistakes in our abuse and manipulation of ourselves and others. I mean, some of us can't get out of our own way when it comes to the truth of being who God has created us. You can't even believe how beautifully human God has made you because you're so twisted in your heart and mind about what is beautiful. And what is right? I don't even know. Like, we had to have a conference on, on, on redeeming masculinity. Why? Because we lost it. I lost it. I don't know what to think, y'all. 
I kind of know what to think, but then I don't want to think it because of pride and lust and all kind of things. I'd rather just think it my own way. And so I have to have come, people come and say, here is God's truth. Complexion and weight and shape, single or married or rich or poor, male or female, bully material or not. Don't you want to be free to be human? And not live in the pain and stress of trying to be more or less? Being over and then undersold or mistreated, abused, or doing the misusing and abusing yourself. Here's what being free to hear God's truth means then. His truth is a way to being truly human and no longer a number. No longer an object. No longer a sexual means to an end. No longer having your work working you. Your employment employing you. (laughs) Being slaves to this or that, driven by desires that you should be in control of but now control you. God's truth, the gospel, is the message, y'all. It's the word. It's the work of God redeeming our humanity from its suppressed truths. Here's the hard part. This passage is teaching, unfortunately, (laughs) that God has let us. He's given us exactly what we want. I used to hate my mom would say that. You so badly want to do it your way. I'm going to let you do it. I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to let you get your way. Go ahead. I told y'all this. I'll be fussing and fighting. I want to go out with my friends. I want the car. And she said, here's the keys. I'm tired of fighting. You and God, go. Hey, y'all. Record. Cord on the phone. Hey, oh, oh. Um, hey y'all. I ain't going. Because my mom said I could go. And that it was going to be me, y'all, and God in that car. We don't want that. Well, guess what? God played mom in that situation. And the Bible is saying he let us be shaped and petrified. Like, like put together, like squeezed, like the, the bad stuff hap- happened within us and grow us by, from the untruths we live by. But what we deserve, he let us get in trying to run our own lives without him being the Lord and giving us the truth. And now we are stuck and trapped in our own thinking and minds. And every time we think we got it, we make a bigger mess of it. Y'all know I've been watching these documentaries for the fourth time now. I do recommend Geniuses of the uh, Modern World, BBC put out. Ooh, my goodness, that thing good. And, and, and this uh, woman who's a historian, um, this British woman, she, she does um, uh, Karl Marx um, and Freud and Nietzsche, right? That's some good stuff right there. And then she had the ancient one, the Buddha, um, Confucius, and um, what's the other one? So- Socrates. I'm, I'm watching too much Fred, like Fred Bill's adventure. So great. No, Socrates um, is, is the other person. So anyway, it, this is some good stuff, y'all. And please watch it with an informed mind, like with the gospel. And then when you watch it with the gospel, you're like, man, these dudes had some pretty interesting insights. They just didn't have the Lord. Listen to what the German philosopher Nietzsche, who coined the phrase that God is dead, says 
in the full quote from his work, The Joyful Pursuit of Knowledge and Understanding. This is what Nietzsche said. God is dead. God remains dead. And we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves? The murderers of all murderers. What was holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives. Who will wipe the blood off us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement? What, what, what sacred games shall we have to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it. Nietzsche was half right. We have suppressed and suffocated the truth of God. As the Bible teaches here, it is true that God is dead to many of us and to much of our world. And it is true that as this passage in Romans says about being given over to a depraved and reprobate mind, that now our hands and minds and souls are bloodied with guilt and mess and mark of not only the suppression and suffocation of God, but the death of a truth that would free us to love and live and worship the true God truly. Now everything we think and everything we touch and everything we do is Stuck with untruthful guilt. Here's what freeing people to hear God's truth means. God must resurrect from the death of our sin and suppression that has caused, caused him, and he must save us. Because we have killed and suppressed the knowledge of him in so many ways. It is like we can't save our own selves from the mess we created. But the gospel says God got up from the grave of our sins in the knives of the cross and is alive. That he is not dead and his truth is not lost by you or me. So you and I don't have to be lost and trapped living guilty in truth suppressed lies. Look at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Yes, we've taken God's truth, ourselves included, in that as human beings, our humanity, and we have taken his stuff and rearranged them. But this is saying Jesus has survived all of that, that he has taken all our junk, all our suppression, and he did die for it. But he rose again with the power to free us. To know that truth, y'all, it is not lost and you are not lost because God is not dead. He's alive in Christ Jesus. So you think the world is beautiful and full and abundant now? Oh, the gospel of Jesus Christ makes it brighter. 
You think humans and our potential and power and relationships are fantastic without God and you and I can affect positive and powerful change and influence in our world? You have no idea the power of the gospel at work in people just like you and me. You think you see God in all of his majesty and all of his truth and all of his love now by the gospel. God is magnified to a whole other level in our minds and hearts. You see, our senses, our ability to see and live and think and feel and create and come to conclusions and just be human might be locked and hindered but the gospel unlocks it and it frees it and it unlocks and frees it truly so we can live truly. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We ain't completely trapped and we praise you that though our sins you caused be taken on a cross and you died for us we were guilty everything we touched turned to mess thank you Lord that you clean us that you redeem us that you save us I pray for those here who have been trying to figure out this whole thing on their own try to make their own truths up on their own see all the problems in the world and try to fix it on their own gospel come in and help us help us just in being parents and just in being friends just in working at the store or working our jobs at the bank or lord teachers and principals and all kind of things you've called us to be all the truth truths you've created that you've called us to have dominion and manage give us your gospel that we can manage it for your glory and your praise. And it's good. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.